0: Amen. As you're being seated, I want to invite you to take out your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. It's good to see you this morning. I'm glad you came with hearts open to worship the Lord. And we also have, as part of worship, an opportunity to hear from God and to look at his word and his ways and then um, uh, choose to obey and respond. We're going to talk about that. As we get started, we are drilling down these first couple of verses in chapter 6 about parenting. Parenting is... um, The easiest thing that parent, that, no, I already can't, I can't finish that thought. Parenting is hard, isn't it? Anybody ever been a parent? Okay. Is parenting hard? Yeah. Who's currently still parenting? You have kids at home. Okay. How many have grandkids at home? All right. Even some of those. Boy, I'm telling you, it just gets, uh, it seems harder and harder with each generation I think part of what makes it hard, and this is just sort of as an introduction to our study today, is that kids, those sweet little precious babies, are born with a propensity to wander. Aren't they? I mean, they're not given like this prepackaged DNA to do what is right and good and compliant and obedient. I wish they were, don't you? But, but, but they're not. Uh, just to illustrate this point, I... Um, Read something that was kind of a little survey of, of moms that have um, little, little toddlers. And just, just, just kind of see if you can identify. This is sort of property laws of a toddler as expressed by a mom. Here are the laws number one, if I like it, it's mine. Number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Number three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Number four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it it never must appear to be yours in any way. Uh, Number six, if, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces then belong to me. They're mine. If it looks just like mine, then it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. And according to the preschooler, Toddler, if you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And then finally, if it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) Right? I mean, any of us who have had little children, preschoolers, toddlers, we know that that's just sort of, we don't have to teach that to kids, do we? That's just sort of their nature. It's a nature that is bent. Uh, away from God. It's been marred. It's been contaminated and damaged by sin. So, kids are born with sin nature. Therefore, God has placed in their care parents who are responsible to oversee and to shepherd them so that they learn to overcome sin nature through grace, the blood of Jesus Christ, and then through obedience. And we're looking at this concept of obedience. And so, is it hard today to get kids to obey? I'm just, I don't have young kids at home. You tell me, is it hard to get kids to obey today? Is it hard parents? It seems hard. I mean, we see this culture change where there's almost this sense in which parents have sort of given up on com- making kids comply to obey. There's all kinds of, of little ways to squirt out and around that. Uh, there's a movie not long ago called Parental Guidance that we took the sermon title from and uh, I want to show you just a brief clip of that movie it's about grandparents who are helping their or they have their their daughter and children over for vacation and they're noticing the difference between the generation of parenting and they're kind of trying to help and join in but let's show that video clip just to illustrate how hard parenting is today more than ever given our culture I like them Carl likes them right Carl And your opinion has value and, uh, what's the other one, um, worth. But I know from experience that wearing heels can be tricky, especially during recess. Wouldn't you and Carl both be more comfortable in sneakers? No. Hey, what's going on? We're going to be late. Oh, it's Project Runway. I tried handling it like Alice said, but it's not working. All right, get the other two in the car. I'll handle this. Artie? It's okay. Let me try. Take off those shoes and I'll give you a dollar. Five. Two fifty. (laughs) Deal. It's a little different today, isn't it? It's almost become kind of like, how can we negotiate with children and, and let them have enough of their way to make it easier on us as parents? And that's what we want to face. That culture's out there. So let's look at chapter six. The first couple of verses, we're going to take three more points from our our objective of the four reasons that teaching children obedience is good. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now, last week we talked about there's going to be four of them, Good reasons to teach kids to obey. The first one was that they are God's children. The second one is that because it's right, obedience is right. Where do we get that from? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Understand that because it's right, that gives you parents a place of authority. You are the God-given authority in the lives of your children. So what's your goal in their life? Last week we talked about a, a specific goal. If it's right, then our goal should be my goal for the children God has given for me to parent is for them to be godly. And if that's your goal, maybe for your kids, your grandkids, just go ahead and write, fill in that blank is to be godly. And I want to invite you to put your initials right next to it. If you agree that that's going to be your goal in parenting, go ahead and before God, not me, before God, initial that, that that's your goal. Make that official. Because you, parents, understand this. You and I, as we train up children, are going to be presented with the constant decision, the constant choice, every single week, am I going to a parent to make my kids happy, or am I going to a parent to make my kids godly? And so the commitment must be because you are the authority in their lives. You've been given that place. You're not the authority in your child's life because you're smarter than them that's what you're relying on, it's not going to last very long. I'm just telling you, I've raised three brilliant girls, and they're all smarter than me. So that didn't last very long. I can't use that as parenting. And they notice when you use that as your foundation, as your basis, they notice that that's not going to last long. It's a crumbling foundation. You're not authority in their lives because you're bigger. See this a lot with fathers intimidating their sons. You better do what I say because if you don't, I'm going to whip you, and I'm still bigger than you. Now listen, that may work for a little while. But understand this, dads. You are not the authority figure in that child's life because you're bigger. It has nothing to do with your size or your physical strength. You are the authority in that child's life because God placed you there and he gave you that authority and responsibility. We don't... Have authority over our kids because the culture says that it's right. You know, hey, you know, it's just what everybody says. Your teachers tell you it's the way it is in America. You're supposed to submit. You can't rely on that either because you know what? Culture changes. In fact, we're seeing a result of it now. Parents, if if your authority is based on what culture says in your kids' life right now, then you can't ask them to do anything. Did you hear what grandma said? The volume was a little low in the video clip, but the kid was wearing the high heeled shoes. And she was trying to get them not to, right? And, and the first thing she said, she was trying mom and dad's approach to honor mom and dad. She said, Well, your opinion has value. Right? Well, you can wear that. Your opinion has value. That's what the culture's saying about parenting, that their opinion is valuable in contrast to what is right. What we need to do, because we have the authority in their lives, is to show them that the value is in what is right before God. And then when that becomes their value, then it goes well with them, as the scripture says. Right? So you can't rely on culture, because that's going to change even more. You're not the authority figure in your child's life because you sin less than them. I'm just telling you, it's not true. See, sometimes we don't say it out loud. I'm your parent and I have authority because I sin less than you. But that's sort of our, our f- approach. That's sort of our foundation. Kids pick up on that. And l- let me just tell you what kids are born with. Every child is born with a hypocrisy meter. It's just, you, you don't have to give it to them. They have it. Their, their, their little radar and antennas, just like yours are geared to notice, pick out, highlight hypocrisy. When you tell them, "I am the parent and you shouldn't do this because I am better and sinless." And then when they see you treating that person like you do on the phone or when you don't think they're listening, and they say, "Wait a minute. But you're not obeying God's ways either." So you don't have authority because you sin less because you're more moral than they are. I'm trying to drive a point home here, parents. The only basis of our authority that we have is it's at God's command that we parent and train them and teach them obedience. We're discharging a duty that's been given to us, a solemn, sacred responsibility that God says, this is my way, it's right, I want for little boys and girls as they grow up to learn to pursue me by this way. I'm putting parents, you, in their lives to teach them how to obey me and follow my ways. That's your job. That's your primary responsibility, parents. I want to just tell you, now it's going to sting a little bit, especially if you're a young parent. There is nothing in God's word that ever tells you that it's your job to become your child's friend. They have friends. You are the one place of authority that goes beyond and better than their friend. You teach them what is right. You teach them and model for them and train them and lead them to be obedient because it's right in the eyes of God and it's his way. Now there's two passages that will help you. Parents, grandparents, those of us that are helping and encouraging parents to raise kids, these are two passages I really want for us to learn. The first one is in Genesis chapter 18. Just turn there with me. We have, we have some scripture to read today. Is that okay? What? Hello? Is anybody back there that's Hey, I have some scripture to read today. Is that okay? Oh, oh, there you are. Ah, come on now. Stay with me. Let's participate in this. Guys, I wish I could tell you that I have good advice to give you because I'm a perfect parent and I figured it all out. But I cannot tell you that. What I can tell you is that the scriptures, God's word teaches us exactly what we need to know to be successful at parenting. Okay, Genesis chapter 18. Now, we're picking up in the middle of the discussion here because I want to show you a point. This is, this is Abraham, God's chosen father, interceding on behalf of Sodom or Gomorrah. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah, specifically Sodom here. He's saying, God, God are, you, are you really going to destroy them all? Now, in that context, look at verse 17. Chapter 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Okay, now, let me just, you got to understand. God's going to be having this discussion, this dialogue with Abraham about his will, what he plans to do to judge Sodom. And in that discussion, Abraham, you know, raises the question, but God, what what about this? And and God's speaking for all to hear. There's something about Abraham I want to teach you here in my relationship with him. I, I don't hide what I do from him. I'm going to help Abraham understand my ways. You with me? Now look at verse 18. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. In other words, the generations to follow come from Abraham's understanding of who God is. Now look at verse 19. For I have known him in order that he may command his children... And his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. Look at that. I'm, I I, have given Abraham this special place. And by the way, this is passed on to generations that follow Abraham as God's people. That's today, us in the church, we've been grafted in by grace. We're allowed to be God's people And now we fall under the same exact promise. I want my people, God says, to understand my ways. I'm not trying to hide what I'm doing here on earth from you. I want you to see it. And for that reason, I know you. I've invited you to a personal relationship with me, God says. Look at verse 19. For I have known him. Watch this. Why have you invited me into a personal relationship with you, God, to allow you to know me and me to know you personally. Watch this. In order that he may. Now, would you agree with me? When the scripture says God gives us something in order that we may, that's like telling us what the purpose is. You with me? Y'all feeling sleepy today? You need some coffee? We'll get some coffee in here. Whatever you need. Check it out. God says, I have known him in order so that, for the purpose of, that he may command his children and his household after him, that they would keep the way of the Lord. You See, God invites an adult generation. God invites a people To know him so that they can also be part of his purposes. Now watch this. And it's inherent in God's people following his purposes that they command their children to keep the ways of the Lord. That's part of God's purpose. We forget that sometimes. We think, well, God's out. The mission is to save those who are lost. Yes, the mission is to save those who are lost and to teach them, to teach their children to follow the ways of God so that they can preach the message of salvation to the next generation. That's part of God's mission. God's mission for you as a parent is to create in your home little missionaries who understand how to know God and follow him. You see, we really, really don't have the right to direct our children any other way. We don't have the right to figure out our own methodology of them becoming successful and responsible and good little children or adults. We're bound by God's mission, and he lets us know him. So that we know how to command. I want to share that with you. Personal experience. Our our children are all three out of the home now. One's married and uh, one just graduated college and the other one's still in college. So there they are in their young adult years off into life. And we look back, Julie and I, of course we are quite aware of the gazillions of mistakes that we made along the way. But one of the things that my children often heard me saying, and I'm very grateful that we had people to help us understand this. They often heard me tell them that I am doing this with you. I am getting in your business and rustling your feathers and leading you to do something that you don't want to do and expecting you to obey because God has shown me how important it is to him. And and folks, parents, make it a habit to regularly express to your children what it is that God is sharing with you in your relationship with him about them, about how to parent them. Where do you get to know? For I have known him in order that he may command his children. Where do you get to know God? In your time alone, your quiet devotional time where you pray and you cultivate that, your own obedience with God. Let God speak into your parenting. Let God reveal his His plan for your children. Let God reveal what is right on an ongoing basis. I want to say it this way, okay? Wrapping it all up. Parents, if you're not cultivating an ongoing, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ every single day, you have nothing to parent with. He says, I have known you so that you know how to command, so that you understand my ways and my mission, so that they would keep the ways of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the other passage that I want you to know. Deuteronomy 6. Now, we talked about this before. I wish we could slow down a little bit here, but I feel like we need to at least get enough momentum to wrap it up. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look what he says beginning in verse 2. This is this the passage of the Shema. Remember, we, we looked at it last week. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson... All the days of your life that your days may be prolonged. Did you see that? God's telling his people. His desires that they would fear the Lord. Keep his statutes and his commandments. You and your son and your grandson. Each generation after. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. That it may be well with you. There it is again that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Hey, parents, this is what obedience leads our kids to see and understand. It's about shepherding their heart to respond to the things of God In a way that they give God all of their love, with all of their strength, with all of their heart, with all of their soul. And these words which I command to you today shall be in your heart. Look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit by your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. want to interpret this passage for you what it does not say it does not say in any way shape or fashion parents obey your children in the lord for this is right does not say that does it as a matter of fact it shows us that it is actually the parents role to teach the children how to obey god can I ask you a question? Parents, if, if I were to come into your home and like a fly on the wall just observe behavior and activity in your home, would it look more like children are running your home or would it look more like you as parents are running the home? Do you know how many times today we get sucked into this thought and all I'm trying to do is give you truth truth here, okay? We get sucked into this thought that, listen, in order for our kids to be happy and successful, they have to be involved in all these activities, and so we have them running like the 16 gazillion different things in the, in the scouting, in the clubs, in the, in the sports, and listen, there's nothing wrong with any one of those things, but here's the question. When you are succumbing to the pressure and letting your children be involved in everything they want, is it because Your goal is to make them happy. Are they determining the schedule of your home? Are they determining the priorities in your home? Or are you determining the schedule and the priorities? This should be, I should be like a hero for parents today. You know what I'm telling you? You can be the one that makes the schedule in your home. It is right. You can be the one that determines all the priorities, mom and dad, for your kids. It is right, and they don't have to like it. It's your job. You've been given that place of authority. When children run the home, the danger is this. Not that it will be wicked or evil. I mean, come on. You all have some good kids, Sometimes the kids just want to be good at sports. They want a scholarship. They want to be, um, they want to enjoy an activity, right? It might be the violin or piano or whatever it is, or some sort of uh, 4-H program of getting you know animals judged and all that stuff. I realize all that stuff is they're not wanting to be wicked in their desire for those things. Stay with me, but they don't know what they really need to teach them the ways of God. And so they will push, pursue every other thing under the sun. And listen, the the danger of children running to home is that it will take them away from God rather than toward God. If you let them And you see, parents, we think we're doing a good job because, hey, they want to do this and we're making them happy and we're keeping them off drugs, aren't we? We're keeping them out of trouble. I mean, they're they're doing a halfway good thing and and they're, you know, well-rounded and they're getting a good education and we think we're doing such a good job and they grow up and leave the home and they have a heart full of rebellion to do what they want to do rather than what God wants them to do and they fail to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And instead, they put themselves on the throne of their life. And there's no greater danger for the Christian home, the Christian children growing up, than for them to be self-consumed rather than God-consumed. You see where the goal is? The goal isn't just to make it without killing them. Just to, hey, if they're happy and they're not on drugs when they leave home, we did a pretty good job. When did that become the standard? God sets the standard. And he says, obedience is right. Teach the little toddlers and preschoolers how to obey you. Teach the elementary children to obey you in the Lord and the ways of the Lord, helping them to understand why. And teach the teenagers to hear and follow my voice on their own. By the way, anything that leads kids away from God is wrong. Well, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, is it leading them to God or away from God? If it's leading them away from God, in other words, if there's too much going on in your life and it's all going the way they want to, it's wrong. Parents, step in. Get some control of your home and take the place of authority that you have. It's okay to do. It's right to do. Yes, it, it's okay to let a, a child explore their area of interest or be athletic and involved in social activities. All that's fine, well, and good. But shepherd them in those activities to maintain a relationship of hearing and obeying God all along the way. And any time one of those activities threatens that process, it must go. You with me? That's how we get control. That's how we shepherd their heart and govern them to love the things of God, teach them to obey, protect the circumstances and the time to lead them to obey. Don't let the world have that time. The key of parenting is this. I'm, I'm just I'm going to chase a little rabbit trail here. The key to parenting really is this, guys, understanding their heart. When they choose something that's not of God, whether it be to disobey or something that takes them away from God, the desires of their own heart. When they choose that, the key of parenting is learning to understand what's going on inside the heart. I know that there's somebody here, and you said, well, my parents were dogmatic. You will do this, and it was black and white, and it was legalistic, and that never helped me a bit. As a matter of fact, that chased me farther away from the things of God. Some of you are nodding your head, yeah? You see, there's a difference between being a legalistic dictator in the lives of your children and understanding their heart and teaching them to obey the ways of God where it applies to their heart. When a child says no, why is he saying no? What is it that she's really trying to do when she's saying no, when she pursues that in light of what I have told her or him, right? And as a, as a parent, you begin to dialogue and in, invest some time. What's going on? What makes you think that way? Why? What's going on inside your heart? Let's teach children to look inside and say, why am I drawn to do the things that I'm doing or trying to do or wanting to do? And when we can unlock that and peek into their heart and see what the real root cause is, then listen, then we can take the scripture... And say, okay, now here's what the heart is, but look at what God says. And if you will choose to comply what your heart wants to what God says in that area, it will go well with you. It's called shepherding the child's heart. Teaching them why to obey and where obedience fits into their relationship with God. Because obedience is a matter of the heart. The Bible says that. Out of the heart flow, spring, the issues of life. So we don't just parent from the outside, from the behavior. We parent from the inside what's going on in the heart. How can we shape their heart and lead their heart, listen, not to do what's best for us, but to do what's best in God's eyes. that sounds good. I think I might be able to do that. Well, understand, it's always going to be harder to do it that way. It's going to be less convenient to do it that way. But that's what God has put you in their lives to do. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's move on. Parents, hey, let's do something here. Sometimes this stuff is hard, and as parents, we go, oh, my gosh, How am I going to do all that? You can do it. I want to ask you, if you're a parent, if you have home right now in your household, a newborn all the way through 12th grade, would you stand up for just a moment? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Just stand up so we can recognize how many parents. Go ahead, parents, stand up. Good. Keep going. There we go. Good. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. You're our heroes today. Listen, you have a hard job, parents. You can stay standing if you can. You have a hard job. But the rest of us, we're pulling for you. We want to encourage you. Do the hard thing in their lives. Teach them to obey and follow God's way. It will bear fruit. And, and when it gets hard and you get tired, you can lean on us. When you need encouragement, you can rely upon us. When you need people to pray for you, that's what we're here for. Give the parents a round of applause. Give them a hand. Thanks. You can be seated. We love you guys. You have this precious place that God has given you to shepherd these boys and girls for all the rest of eternity in their relationship with God. Obedience is right. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. The next verse says, honor your father and your mother, which is The first commandment. Obedience is commanded. It's commanded. God gives to you, parent, the commandment to teach your children to obey. Remember what I said last week? In our culture, we've allowed... We get in so much trouble when we allow the world to determine the meaning of God words... Obedience is like this bad word today. You saw the video video clip. That whole movie. Go watch that movie sometime. It's hilarious. It's clean, I promise you. Parental guidance. The things that the parents are doing, that they've kind of given into, that the world tells them to do. It's hilarious. It wasn't so sad. But they allow... like you should have a choice you should your opinion should be valued right it's the whole there's no winners everybody gets a trophy cuz losing makes you feel sad and discouraged that's the same world that says obedience is a bad word it's harsh it's unloving it's legalistic Let the author determine the meaning, would you? God teaches that obedience is a commandment. And it's tied to a blessing. We're going to see that in just a minute. I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Haggai. We're looking at a lot of scripture today. I really want to equip parents. Guys, you can't just go grab a book off the shelf and learn, you know, five steps of successful parenting. It's not going to work. But if you will look continually into the scriptures and let God be your guide. It can work. Haggai, and is back in the Old Testament. Find Daniel and turn forward through some of the minor prophets, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Haggai. Now, check this out. Haggai is a prophet talking to God's people again. So we're going to learn from what God's speaking to his people about. And in this case, it's it's rebuilding the temple. Right? And the people have not done a good job of following God, obeying God, and teaching their children. Are you with me? <laughs> Every time in the Old Testament, God's people fail to teach their children to obey God, they end up in trouble. Every time. And that's they're, they're being restored here, and that's what this is about. Verse 2, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, chapter 1, verse 2, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying... The people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to dwell, Uh, excuse me, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Time out, real quick, a little context, right? He's saying, you are off doing your own thing investing all this time into it's a season of prosperity and you think you've been released from bondage now and you can just live your lives for yourself building up these big houses for yourselves and then he says meanwhile my house lies in ruins you see what he's saying you're putting living your life for yourself above temple worship above Community of God's people coming together to sacrifice and worship and give and learn and grow, right? You're putting all that first. Look at verse 6. You have sown much and bring in little. How's that working for you? You eat but do not have enough. You drink but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Parents, if you hear nothing else today, hear this, because I know we want our kids to be successful, right? We, We want them to have a good job, good careers, make enough money to live, right? Nice house. Understand this. There's nothing wrong with a good career and a nice house. However, if they gain it by pursuing it themselves, it's empty. It will be worse Than having never had a good career and a nice house. Because they gained it by building it themselves. They gained it apart from God. And he says they earn these wages, and it's like earning wages and putting it in a bag with holes in it. There's no contentment to worldly gain. Parents, oh, this is on the radio. They tell me there's a lot of people listening this morning so I'm inviting everybody to hear this. There is no zero contentment for children in worldly gain. They will not be happy with all the things in life that they think they want or you sometimes think that you want for them, including career and finances. They will only be happy when they put serving the Lord, walking with God, and joining him on a mission of redeeming mankind first and foremost. And then, when the Lord provides a career and when the Lord provides a home, whatever it is, or cars, or whatever possessions or lack of possessions that come from God, regardless, they can be like Paul and say, I have learned in all things to be content, whether abased or in need. That's why the goal is for them to be godly, not happy. Because peace and contentment and joy and security come from God, not the world. You see that? So we have to shepherd them and set them up to follow God. What's your view of God look like? Is obedience harsh? Or is obedience the way that God brings us into his flow of blessing and his channel of activity? Read on. I just want to show you this. Uh, Verse 12, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Zahazadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, watch this, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared in the presence of the Lord. Look, we see a change right here. We see them here, oh, we're building our own houses and we're neglecting the house of God. We need to return to God first. And so they obeyed. They said, We will do what God says to do. Then Haggai, verse 13, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I'm with you, says the Lord. So the Lord, watch this, verse 14, stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. I'm going to show you this. Don't miss this. What happened here? God came and stirred up the spirit, stirred up the hearts of the people to do what it is he wanted them to do. Wouldn't that be pleasing to you as a parent? Have your kids passionately stirred up to the the point where Everything in life must be about what God's doing here. I'm, I'm ready to go forward to make sacrifice to do what is right in the eyes of the God. How many parents would be blessed by adult children that would say and do that? To be stirred up to be part of the activity of rebuilding the house of God. That is the overall mission of God's redemptive plan. What if, what if churches were sending out missionaries again because kids' hearts were stirred up to do the things of God and to join Him in redeeming mankind? There's a huge vacancy. There's a void in missionaries today coming from the West. We lack a stirring in the hearts of our kids. Look what happens. Just notice the order. Obedience precedes the stirring. Sometimes we're waiting for just the opposite. I wish my kids would get stirred up to follow and obey God. Meanwhile, We let them do everything they want. Why is obedience commanded? Because when we obey, and when our children obey, the result, the outflow of that is God stirs the heart and the spirit of the people. Your kids will want to walk with God more after they have obeyed him. hey, we made some changes in our children ministry, preschool, all the way up through high school recently. I want you to know why. The primary reason we made the changes we did is because we want to lead our children to obey God. Because of this reason. If they obey God and follow through with God's ways, God continually stirs up their heart to want to follow the ways of God, to want to do more of what God wants to do, to be in line with his plans and his purposes. Can I I just say this? (sighs) Teaching kids doctrine does not make them want to follow God. Teaching kids to obey God makes them want to follow God. Now, is doctrine important? Absolutely, doctrine is important. But listen, our children ministry, our youth teenage ministry, everything that we're doing as a community to help kids walk with God should be focused primarily, primarily on hearing from God and learning to obey God and celebrating the obedience. Parents, you at home teach your kids doctrine. It's not the church's job. The church can gather kids and teach them and lead them by sharing in testimony and praying for one another, holding one another accountable, how to hear from God and begin to read from his word and understand what he wants and then follow through with obedience, just like you're also doing at home. But that we can do together. And there's no greater single activity that we can do in the lives of your kids all the way up through high school than to celebrate their obedience. Every time they obey God, we need to stop, share And celebrate and that's what I love if you would go into CPK right now they read through the Bible story and they pick out from the kids what is it that God wants you to obey in this to follow through and then the next week they come back and they share sometimes writing it on the whiteboard where did you obey what you heard from God's Word last week see we forget that part in our children's ministry sometimes it's not all just about fun and games but I wanna tell you something. When some little kid says, last week I heard God say this, and this week I went to my friend and I did this, or I did this with mom and dad, or at home I did this because that's what God told me to do last week. We ought to stop the world. We ought to stop everything. And we ought to promote joy and celebration. You see, it's not just obey because I told you to obey. It's you obey God, and it is good, and it is right, and we're going to celebrate that in your life. It's changing the lives of our kids and teenagers, by the way. I hope, parents, I hope you're also doing that at home because obedience leads to the stirring of their heart. If you were to keep reading in chapter 2 of Haggai, you would also find out that they received encouragement and strength. Hey. Encouragement and strength also come from obeying God. Right here, look at me. Because some of us need to learn this in our own lives. Encouragement and strength. We're talking about supernatural encouragement. What would it be like to have all these discouraging things going on around you in life and for you to be absolutely, to the core, to the tips of your toes, encouraged? and strengthened, that you would not waver from what is right or what is good to be absolutely content no matter what the circumstances are and what's happening in the world around you. I would want some of that. It comes from obedience. It comes from obeying God's ways. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. Parents, We want you to do what is right. And even though it's hard, we want you to know that you're doing what you're doing, leading kids to obey because it's been commanded by God and it's the way to lead them to be stirred up and to receive encouragement by God. Nothing is more important in their lives because it leads to this final truth. Number three, number four, excuse me. Verse three, that it may be well with you. And you may live long on the earth. That it may be well with you. Well, what is that tied to? What is it that leads to it will be well with you? Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and your mother in the Lord. For this is a commandment. That it may be well. Obedience is blessed by God. Obedience is blessed by God. In our prayer time this morning, the pastors gather early before any of you get here and we come to the altar and we pray for you. We pray that God would be exalted in this place and would have his way. And we pray for one another. And We took some time in our prayer time to share for one of our staff guys, one of our pastors. I won't tell you the story, but they made a hard choice. They did what the hard thing was in life. And it cost them. They did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and it was costly, but they did it because God promised to take care. And the testimony, the story was that weeks later, God provided even more abundantly than they ever could have known, thought, or asked, or imagined. And I just just want to stop this morning in prayer time and celebrate that. God, you are right. When we obey your ways, even though it looks like it may not work out the best for us, it always works out the best. You always have a plan. You really do bless when we obey you. And your blessings are the best. They're worth trusting. Final passage to turn to. Deuteronomy chapter 28. We'll close with this one. Obedience is right. Obedience is commanded. And obedience is blessed. Chapter 28. I'm going to read a little bit of this for you. Now Some of us have been confused. Bad theology. We listen to people we shouldn't listen to. We've heard so much that God's forgiveness and his love is unconditional. Have we heard that? Yes. Is it right? Yes. We've heard so much emphasis on God's love is unconditional. No matter who you are, what you've done, what you're thinking, when you sin, how much you mess up, God always loves you. And listen to me, that is so true. It is absolutely right. It is the foundation of our relationship with God. His love is unconditional. And salvation, forgiveness of sin comes unconditionally. We don't have to do anything to earn it. That's the great big powerful truth of christianity he did it for us he paid the price on the cross and we received forgiveness as a result of no works of our own and that is true it's the very foundation of our faith and our relationship but listen to me that's only the beginning once a relationship with God is firmly established with unconditional love and unconditional grace and forgiveness, His blessings are always conditional. His love is unconditional. His blessing is conditional. Where did you get that from? Well, listen to what he says in Deuteronomy Verse 1, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of your Lord, mark that, obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully, mark that, to observe carefully all his commandments, look at verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord, mark that, obey the voice of the Lord. Skip to verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord. Mark that. If you keep the commandments of the Lord. Skip down to verse 13. And the Lord God will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord. Which I command to you today, and are careful to observe them. Mark those two. Heed the commandments of the Lord and observe them. The first 14 verses are God speaking to his people. And and by the way, don't say, well, that's Old Testament law, because these are all the same principles that apply to the church. He's not talking about salvation, he's talking about blessings. Because if we keep reading, fill in all the gaps. Verse 3 Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Verse 4 Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Verse 5 Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Verse 6 Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Verse 8 The Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses. And. In all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. All right, you're not a Bible scholar, you don't know anything about Greek, you're not a theologian but you can figure this much out. In this passage, God is telling his people, I have tremendous blessings available to you and you will receive them when and if you obey me. Do you see that? I mean, I mean, got to look in the pages because I'm not making this up. If you obey, if you follow heed, Observe my ways. Guys, I don't know if you need know this or not, but today, 2017, our families are in desperate need of God's blessing. We live in an age that is against the ways of God. We live in a culture that has lulled people to sleep and drawn them away from the things of God to be people who are consumed with material gain and possessions and worldly goods and worldly success. And we desperately need the blessing of God. We need for our fruit to come from God, not from our worldly possessions. We need our protection to come from God, not from something that we can provide or do in our own. We need to get over the obstacles in our life because God blesses us, not because we've learned the three tricks of getting over obstacles. I'm going to tell you something. You think we need God's blessing now. Wait till your children are your age. Wait till the next generation faces the world. I guarantee you, it's going to be hard. I promise you this much. I'm not a prophet. I can't tell you exactly what it's going to hold, but I can tell you this much. They will need God's blessings as much or more than we do today. The primary mechanism God gives us to receive blessings is obedience. Why wouldn't we teach our children to obey? Why wouldn't obedience be one of the major tenets of our parenting strategy? Right? You might fall in other areas, parents, but love your kids unconditionally and teach them to obey God's word. Don't slip on those two. There's no room. By the way, that last verse in verse 14, read that with me. This is extra, a bonus. You don't have to pay any extra for this. No charge. Watch. So you shall not turn aside from any of these words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. You know, this isn't the first time in Scripture that we hear about God's saying, don't turn from the right or to the left. Obey my ways. Don't turn to the right or to the left. You know what turning to the right or the left is? Partial obedience. Oh, I'm still going the direction that God says, but I'm going to make an adjustment. I'm going to turn a little bit to the right. And it always starts a little bit, doesn't it? I'm going to turn a little bit to the left. I'm still going the general direction that God wants me to go. I'm still walking on the path, but I've made a slight deviation. I've turned. That's called partial obedience. And kids are masters at finding ways to partially obey you. So parents, here's my encouragement to you. Slow down. Take time with your kids. Make sure they obey fully, completely, and consistently. You got a preschooler at home? Got a toddler? Little two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old? Listen to me carefully. The greatest thing you can do in your parenting right now is be 100% absolute consistent Even if it's hard and it takes time and you have to put other stuff aside, make sure you follow through with consistency every single time because what they learn now about obedience will set the stage for how they obey when they're teenagers. And if they learn inconsistency from you, they learn the path of partial obedience. And that will prevent them from being blessed by God. The greatest blessing. I want to ask you if you believe this. We're going to close in prayer. I want to ask you if you believe this. Do you believe that that's true? That blessings come from obedience to God? Do you believe that in your heart? Do you know that's right? I believe that's true. If you believe that's true, if you don't, well, we're going to have to go back to somewhere else and start at the beginning. But if you do, listen carefully. There is a blessing that lies before each one of your children by God. And it's a blessing that Jesus promised to make his home with us. You abide in me and I abide in you. You will bear much fruit. For those that obey my commandments and hear what I say and do them, I will make my home with them, he says in John 14. I'll make my home in them. I just want you to know. The future is uncertain. We don't know what the world's going to look like 10, 15 years from now. You don't know what's going to happen to education. A college degree might not even mean what it means today. It might not be irrelevant. We might have a financial crash. There might be a war in the Middle East that entirely turns everything upside down. We might have another Great Depression coming. I don't know. We don't know what the future's going to hold in the world around us. But we know this. Whatever it is, brings the greatest blessing for our child is that they would walk through this world having the Lord Jesus Christ take up residence and make his home in their heart. You see, because then their happiness doesn't depend on the world. It depends on Jesus in their heart and in their life. It doesn't matter if they do have a great career or if the economy changes and they don't have a great career. It doesn't matter if they're academically or athletically successful. If all that changes in the future, they're not going to get any satisfaction from that. They're not going to get any peace from that. Don't you want your kids to have a lasting, eternal, unshakable, consistent peace in their life? That comes from Jesus taking up residence and the Holy Spirit filling their whole life. And they can do that. It's not that hard. It just requires a heart of obedience. A kid, a young person that will grow up saying, mostly what I want to do is do what God calls me to do and obey his word Keep his commandments. Mostly, that's what I want to do in life. Everything else will come out of that. Everything else will flow and result from that. And we've seen it true. Generation after generation after generation. The kids who obey and follow God are kids that are the most fruitful. The most peaceful. And the most stable. Because they have God's blessing on their life. There's no greater desire that we can have for our children. God, would you bless them? Let them hear you and be eager to obey whatever you say, whatever it means, all the time. Let's pray. Pray with me. It's It's a tall order. God, we're talking about things that the world doesn't want to hear. They certainly don't want us to talk about obedience of your ways. We know that uh, all of our parents here are facing a culture, a community, a world that tells them everything but teach our children to obey you. Empower them here now bless them these words encourage them as they choose to do your ways God we give you our heart we trust you your death burial and resurrection for our sins and we trust that your ways are right that we obey and you bless and we find your very best for us it will go well with us when we do. Help us to change our priority in our home help us to capture each moment in each day to celebrate obedience and lead our kids to know the joy of following you understanding where their heart doesn't want to and choosing my faith your way fill us Lord with your spirit empower these parents we pray bless them Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, if you're going to help with the offering, if you'll come forward at this time, let me just give you the opportunity to, as we get ready to close our service, worship. Church, let's take one more opportunity. Before we go off into that world, we've come together in this refuge to learn what is right, to be transformed. Hey, listen, let's take this last final opportunity to really open our hearts. And worship God. Thank him that he blesses us. Thank him that his ways are right. And he's worthy of trust. We do that. You write on your chat card perhaps your response to the Lord. And put that on the offering plate. If everybody would put their chat card in that plate when it comes by. It's a means of worship. We do that with our offering. just call you to be faithful. Sacrificial. What in your heart. Means worshiping and trusting God with your gift. That you would give today. And then we're going to sing one more song. I'm just going to invite you. Let's blow Matt's socks off by singing really loud and worshiping from the heart in spirit and truth. Let's do that together. Father, thank you for this time. We worship you. We worship and we give you our all. In Jesus' name, amen.